Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. They're being taken advantage of in, in churches. There are men that are manipulating scripture and using the word in such a way to take advantage of people. I read them verses and I'm thinking, Jesus is not here in the flesh to come with a whip, but you're going to meet him one day. I don't want to meet Jesus on that side of the table. I fear for that. I don't fear a lot of things, but I think it'd be well to fear God. And I wouldn't want no parts of that right there. So he's convicting them that this is what you guys do. You say this, but you do that. Many of us have experienced manipulation within the church, whether the experience involved you directly or it was something you witnessed. Use of the scripture to manipulate is something that is too far common. In today's message, Pastor Bill explains that as Christians, someday there will be an account for our sins. If you're only talking the talk, you're missing out on who God wants you to be. Live your life for Him and be saved. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The problem is sin, and the answer is Jesus in every single case. And believers can lose sight of that. Now, you're not even preaching the gospel. You out there with rallying and rioting, and we're supposed to be preaching the gospel. That's how we're supposed to have an impact. And so moving on, look at verse 17. It says, I read verse 17 through 20. It says, if indeed you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed in the law, being instructed out of the law, I'm sorry, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having a form of knowledge and truth in the law. So here he's speaking of the pride of the Jewish people. This is all the things about the Jews. They knew the law. They make their boast in God. They know his will. They approve of the things that are excellent. They're confident that they are teachers themselves they're to the blind. And they're light to those that are in darkness. And they're instructor of the foolish. And they're teacher of babes. And it just says this, having a form. That's where you know it's not right. That's where you know everything that they see. Of the, how they see themselves and how God sees them is different. God says, you see yourself as this. You're doing this. You're teachers. You know the law. You're walking this. But you have a form. Of knowledge and truth in the law. That word form is telling. It reveals this that what you see and what I see is not the same thing. You see yourself like this, God said, but you just have a form. What is a form? Um, if you ever take your kids to the beach and they sell those little things and you stick the sand in to make the castle so you can have a perfect castle because the kids never make a perfect castle with their little bitty hands. And, but it's a form. You stick the thing in there and it, and it forms a perfect castle and you stick it out there. The sand is formed to the little plastic mold that you put. God says, you guys have a form. You guys are like, you're in this mold. It looks like on the outside, but, but it's not reality. You just have a form. You got an outward show of all these things, but it's not in reality. He's about to bust them. So I would say to the church, I would say to the Christian, I would say to the believer, because I've seen this with my own eyes more times than I want to say, where people feel justified because they know something. I've sat down with people and you're trying to tell them something and they finishing the verses. But I know that verse, but you ain't doing it. You're not doing it. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking. So, but I'm sitting, I'm sat down with people. I'm sat down with men and we're marriage counselors. I'm telling me, Bible says, you know, love your wife like Christ loves her, die to yourself. Die, die. That's my word to men. Anybody, any men here that's been in marriage counseling with me, you've heard that from me. Die. 
Because that's what the Bible says. You die to yourself. The husband love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You're going to sacrifice. You're going to die. Get good at it. You can have a good marriage then. That's just what the Bible says, right? But I'm, I cannot tell you I've sat with. I know that I was just like they want something new. Tell me something I don't know. I got nothing. I can't tell you nothing you don't know. I'm telling you what you don't do. And so there's a deception that can happen in the mind and the life of the believer where I know what the word says do. So I feel like I'm OK because I know it. I could quote it. I can speak it. I can tell somebody else it, but I'm not transformed by it. If the truth that you know is not transforming you, that should be a great concern because the word, the primary goal of the word of God is to change me. Right. When I go into the word of God, it's first for me. I I can never come to the word thinking about y'all first. First is for me. God's speaking to me. These commandments are to me. God's checking me on these things. The word, James says the word of God is a mirror. And as you look into the mirror, you see things that are right and it confirms you. You see things that are wrong and you're convicted. You need, I need to change. But needless to say, when I look into the mirror of the word of God, I, I'm either confirmed or I'm challenged. But it's a mirror to transform me into his likeness more and more and more and more as time goes by. That's the goal of the word of God. That's the primary goal. Now, As I'm being transformed and God's working on me, I might be equipped then to reach out and help somebody else. But primarily it's it's for me. And so for the Jews here, they had all these accolades, all these things that made them very proud. They, They were they were religiously proud, but God was not pleased with them. You you read your New Testament and God, the biggest issue that Jesus had was religious people. That's in the Gospels. You come into the New Testament. The biggest issue in the New Testament is the Jews. Those that just they didn't. Jesus program was too radical and it didn't give credence to all their rules that they had been keeping. And this is the problem with religious people. Because they keep a few rules, some extra rules, and they feel some kind of way because you don't keep their rules. And so the, back here, you had the Jews looking at Gentiles eating stuff that they couldn't eat. And they was probably jealous. Somebody on a diet. Go out with somebody that ain't dieting. And you got a salad and a couple of skinny pieces of chicken and they got steak and bread and soda pop and looking at the dessert menu. You know, like you, you just be stumbling you, you know, like you, you, you need to watch what you eat. That's what happened. You know, they start, they start giving you some, some corrections or whatever in the spiritual realm. That's what the Jews were doing to the Gentiles. They were, we circumcise ourselves on the eighth day. We don't eat this. We practice these ceremonies. We dress like this, blah, blah, blah. And you guys are just believe in Jesus. No, it's too easy. Too easy. They had they couldn't they they, I, they they couldn't stand the liberty that y'all could dress like that. No, nah, that, that's carnal. You can't dress like that. You know, you know, that, we got churches today. Do that kind of stuff. Women, women in here with pants on. You know, y'all couldn't go to some places. They look at you all kind of painted your face. You got makeup on. I mean, I, if it was in the Bible, y'all, I would preach it. You know, I mean, but it ain't in there. Please wear pants, wear something, cover up, you know, and uh, my pastor used to say if, if with makeup, you know, he said, if, the, if the house needs pain, paint it, you know, and, um, and it might don't need pain. But some of y'all like just just for just to accentuate your beauty or whatever, you know, it's all right. Why would we make extra stuff? Right. Because this is what it does for the women that don't do it. When you step in there and they got the Shiite suit from neck to ankle. And they got no makeup on and the hair is how it's supposed to be or whatever. Now they get to look at you like, did you see her? Mm. And they feel, I mean, that's not Jesus. So we have to be careful as we walk with the Lord for some time that we don't develop those kind of characters because God don't like that. It's not pleasing to him. And it doesn't really have his heart. 
I feel this is how it should happen. I believe that in a church setting, someone may come visit or whatever. And then they may be it may be very apparent from what you see when they come in that they need help. So then we should there should be some people that are praying right away. Lord, give us wisdom how to approach her, how we can love her with your love, how we can reveal to her. Please pray for her. I pray she hears the message that it penetrates her heart and it helps her. I pray that we have a positive interaction. We go reach out to her and she sees you through us. That's what the believers should be doing. It shouldn't be a bunch of women looking to mm, she thinks she's cute. I bet she came from the club and that ham, 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 and all that. Like you ain't never did it. You know um, that we don't want to do that to people. So because none of that, that doesn't accomplish God's heart. But you took a team of women that, are, that are, their heart was to love her and reach out and they reach out and they love her and then she gets saved and God began working on the inside out. Before long, it'll show outside, but it takes some time. I, I was thinking back to when, when I first met my wife, I still had, I was still very, very, I was only saved for two months. I was still very rough around the edges and my, out, my attire back then was still kind of gangster. And it just, that was just how I had always dressed. And so most of myself was blue. Um, it was clean gangster, but it was, it was, that's how it looked. And so I remember her trying to find a way to get me to wear some other stuff. And, you know, women have a way because she was kind of cute. She was like, hey, we should go shopping together one day. I was like, for you? No, like for you. Like, we'll go get some stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I get my pants here. I get my shirts here. You know, I already know where I shop at. <laughs> And she was like, well, let's look. Can I pick something cute for you? And then we'll go out. And I was like, eh, all right. Well. And, I, I'm, and I'm going to tell you this. She put me in some dockers that have pleats in them right here. And it was a not. It was now it got to be blue. It was all blue, navy blue. It was a nautica shirt. And but I remember and I had to tuck the shirt in. And then I had to buy some shoes that were not tennis shoes. So it was these other kind of shoes we got. And I remember, you know, going out. But hey, and I guess only my dad couldn't have talked me into that. My mama couldn't have talked me into that. Nobody else. But I'm like, if this is what you want, then we're going to go out and eat something. I mean, I guess this is what we're going to do, you know. Um, but I look back and think if she had came at me, you know, that you said, yes, I don't like how you're man. That wouldn't have been effective at all for me. I wouldn't uh, that wouldn't uh it wouldn't have been good for me. And little by little, I started throwing away old stuff. And the Lord started challenging me that if that's not what you are, why you want to look like it? And, and God started changing my heart in time. And it was better for God to change my heart than for somebody to try to externally put some stuff on me. You know, like I said, she had a way because she was a woman and, uh, and I was interested, you know, so that was kind of helpful. I sped up the process, but we want to be careful that. We, we love each other that way, you know, that God's going to do a work in people, but God does a work from the inside out. So when you see the external is messed up and it's just a clue that they need some work, you know. And so as believers, you do the work. You pray, you love, you share. You pray, you love, you share. You let the Lord do it inside out. And when God does it, it'll be legit. They won't be doing it for you. They'll be doing it for him. And that's a big difference. If you can get a group of people to, to dress different for you. Well, then they'll do it when they're going to be around you. But when they go out there, they're going to do what they like. But when you get people to a place where it's like, man, I'm doing this for the Lord. Well, now you ain't got to be present because God is working from the inside out. And it's a real transformation that he's doing in their life. And that's what God wants. God doesn't want a bunch of religious people showing off for each other. God wants to do a real work of his spirit in people's hearts and lives. Amen. And so let's move on. Verse 21. You, therefore, who teach another... 
Do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. It's hypocrisy. What I need to do is recognize that I'm, I need to stop doing it first. I might need to humble myself and tell my kids, you know, dad need to you know, work on that. And I'm, I'm you know, I, I can't tell you don't do what I do. It's hypocrisy. I can't show up here and tell you don't do what I do. It would be hypocrisy. And so what God's telling them is that you guys are real good about telling everybody else what to do. But y'all do the same thing they do. But you just do it in a, in a religious way. You know, you tell them don't steal. Y'all robbing temples. When Jesus came and he came into the temple, what were they doing in the temple? Ripping people off in the temple. They have found clever ways to use the law of God. People were coming to offer their worship and sacrifice to God. And they said, man, they bring in a gang of animals. I mean, animals coming by the drove, but they brought them from home. They said, we're going to make money. The priest would stand at the door and say, now that they had to approve the animal. The animal had to be perfect, spotless. They would say, nah, nah, that one's not good enough. You're going to have to buy one of these, temp- one from the temple. These are pre-approved. Um, well, they, they first in order to get money to buy it because you came from your town, you got to get a money exchange. So they had the money changer tables. So you getting beat at the money changer table. You give them a dollar and get fifty cent back. You know, um, now you got to now you got you got beat in the money exchange. Now you got to go buy a goat or a lamb and you got to buy it at an exorbitant cost. And they were ripping people off for worship. And Jesus came in and saw that mess and said, "No." And he said, "I love this." Because Jesus is he was just cool. He braided a whip. I mean, he stood there and watched for a while. He was just braiding together. He had the cord together. He braiding together a whip. And he went in there and he whipped grown men. Get out of here. And he flipped the tables over. That mess out of my house. My father's house. Supposed to be a place of prayer. You made it a den of thieves and he put them out. That's what religious folk did. The same people here saying, don't do this. Don't do that. You must be here for worship. You didn't do it on the Sabbath. That same group of people is in there ripping off God's people coming to worship. And so God said, man, God, you, you ever seen Jesus mad? Everybody think Jesus so humble and meek and mild, and he was. His anger was righteous anger, and he was mad about that. And I'm telling you, there's some things that happen in churches today that he would be mad about. There are things that happen in churches where people are being taken advantage of. People that want God, people that want to know God, they want to, they're being taken advantage of in, in churches. There are men that are manipulating scripture and using the word in such a way to take advantage of people. I read them verses. I'm thinking Jesus not here in the flesh to come with a whip, but you're going to meet him one day. I don't want to meet Jesus on that side of the table. I fear for that. I don't fear a lot of things, but I think it'd be well to fear God. And I wouldn't want no parts of that right there. So he's convicting them that this is what you guys do. You say this, but you do that. Uh, One of the books I was reading on this chapter said they had high talk and a low walk. They talk was way up here in the heavens, but their walk was down there in hell, you know. And so we don't want to be people with high talk and a low walk. We want our profession and our practice to coincide, that we're living what we're speaking. And God will help us to do that. He says, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And I don't have time to go there, but over in 2 Samuel 7, 14, when David was convicted, when David was busted by the prophet Nathan, about his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband. Hey, and he convicted him. He said, David, he told him, you're the man. You did this. He gave him this analogy. And as he come down to verse 14, he says, you know, because of what you did, the enemies of God have reason to blaspheme. 
You've lived in such a way that God's enemies now blaspheme. And so we want to be careful as the church of Jesus Christ and those that represent him that we wouldn't live in a way that those outside would look at what we're doing and blaspheme. And every time some minister falls, every time some mess happens in some church, what does the world do? They look at that and they see it makes the headways. It'll be all over social media. It's going to make sure that mess gets out there fast. Why? Because it just gives the enemies of God a re- see, see, look what, look, look what they're doing. And so we want to be careful. I can't do anything about whatever other people are doing, but you want to make sure that you aren't a part of that. Amen. Last section here, 25 through 29. It says, for a circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. I've already told you that no one can keep the law. So it's, it would be profitable if you could also keep the law. You don't get to keep one part of the law. You got to keep it all. I don't have. If you look at chapter three, verse 10, he said, there is none righteous. No, not one. And so it would be profitable if you could keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. It's in vain. It's useless. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even without your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And so in closing this section, he says, look, for those, the Jews were real big on circumcision. That had been in the Old Testament, the covenant from Abraham, all your male children on the eighth day to be circumcised. They cut the foreskin of the flesh of their of their genitalia. And that was a sign of the covenant between them and God. That was for them then. And so they had Jews now under the new covenant that were still wanting to walk in that. And God said, it's irrelevant. You can cut your flesh all you want. It's kind of like baptism for us. There's some people that want to make baptism a salvation issue. It is not. Should every Christian be baptized in water? Yes, you should, because God said so. If you die before you get baptized, do you still go to heaven? Yes. Is it a lesser heaven? No, it's the same heaven. Everybody gets to go to the thief on the cross, did not have a chance to get down and get baptized, but he's in heaven. Jesus told him, this day you'll be me in paradise. So it's not a salvation issue, but every believer should follow Jesus in water baptism. Now, if you ain't saved and you get water baptized, does it profit you anything? I tell them you're just a wet sinner. Uh, you you could have took a bath at home. You know, it doesn't change anything. You know, it's just a you did an outward show, but what's happening inside didn't change. Guys, I'm first concerned with the inside. I want to circumcise your heart. I want to cut away the flesh around your heart so you can be right with me. Never mind the other external you know, expressions of it. I want there to be genuine transformation, your heart. And so the last verse there, he says, circumcision is, is that of the heart in the spirit, not of the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And that's the key thing. The way that we're living our life is to be for God's pleasure. And we want to live to please God. And I, I got to say this, and I, I'm doing that normal pastor thing where I, I'm going to finish after this, right? We really want to fight the urge to be a man pleaser because most people that live to please men will never please God. So worried about what people think. So worried about how they're going to feel. If you're going to hurt their feelings, there are people that won't share the gospel for fear of hurting someone's feelings or losing a relationship with someone. You can't please God. Now we're living in a culture where believers, we're going to be pressed. 
We're going to be pressed. People are going to say, well, what do you think about this? The gay's marriage, what do you think? I think it's wrong. God said it's wrong. What? I disagree. You're a bigot. You're okay. It's okay. It's wrong. I don't make it up. I can't fudge. I can't live for their friendship. I can't live to please them. You can't. You can't please man and please God. If in order for me to please them, I have to say, well, I think it's all right in some cases as long as now I can't please God. I swear I got to live eternity. I'm going to be an eternity with the Lord. So first, I want to please him. God, what your word say? Let me be clear on what your word says. I don't want to add to your word and I do not want to take away from your word. What have you said? That's what I believe. Someone confront me, ask me, or I may just be reaching out in love. This is what I'm going to say. And if this costs me a friend, okay, it costs me a friendship. I'm, I'm still going to heaven though. I got to be, I got to please the Lord. And believers are going to have to thicken up and be ready to live in a world where they're going to be pressing you. They already know what we're supposed to believe, but there's so many believers, there's so many nominal name only Christians that are waffling and changing with the culture that there are people out there that are they're more confused than ever about where we stand. And so if you're going to be able to represent the Lord in the society in which we're living, you're going to have to take a stand. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm, I would scream it if I thought it would make it stick better. You will not be able to please men and please God. You please God and there'll be some people that are pleased with you, but not everybody. And it's just a bonus. But you live to please the Lord. Nobody that lives for his pleasure will be disappointed that they did so. Nobody. Nobody. You and I need to be careful that we live to please God and that we live with that in mind. God, I'm going to heaven one day and I, I want you to be pleased. I want, I, want to, I want to get there and you just be pleased with how I spent the time that I got to live for you. And if it costs me some things down here on earth, then so what? And we have to kind of accept that up front, that it's probably going to cost you some things. Jesus told the disciples, they hated me. They're going to like you. Not what he said. He said, they hated me. What? They're going to hate you too. So just accept that now. Just get ready to just 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 get ready for it. Don't go begging for people to hate you. Some believers are they get hated because they they just dumb. The way they present things are wrong. Just be prepared for that though. That that's part of what it's going to be like to live for God in this day and age. Amen. I love you guys, and uh, I'm I'm praying that man we would be those that would. I want to be impactful in the most God honoring, spirit led way that we can be in this era in which we're living. So. With that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for uh, just the examples, God, even the relevance as we're looking at something written to Romans way back when. God, but it's relevant today and it's relevant for us today. God, I pray you would help us to be men and women that live for your pleasure, that we live for your glory, that we seek to please you with how we live our lives, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to be equipped and enabled and strengthened to be a witness in the midst of the darkness in which we're living. And God, I'm, I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in our fellowship, Lord, that we would rightly represent you. Uh, that God, we'd be faithful evangelists, faithfully sharing with the lost. That, Lord, they would see your love through us. That, God, they would be met by you as we engage them and interact with them. And that, God, as the culture changes, that you would equip us uh, with the most fruitful and effective way to engage our culture with your truth. Uh, may we be effective. May we may we be impactful for you, Lord. And uh, God, I pray for those that struggle with being men pleasers, living for people instead of living for you. God, I pray that uh, I'm sure they're convicted. God, I pray that that conviction would lead to repentance and transformation. That God, our lives would in, in reality and truth and in the most genuine way 
they would reflect you and glorify you. And so, God, we give you our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington and A Transforming Word. We know you didn't have to come today. You could have turned off this message and moved on to the news or to a talk show, but you chose to stay. You chose to invest your time in learning more about the Word of God with us. In this series, Pastor Bill is making his way through the book of Romans. In Romans 8, 6, we read, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You didn't have to stay today, but it might be the best decision you could have made. On the news, you could have encountered plenty of death, but here we're able to set our minds on the spirit together, discovering the life and peace that he brings. And we have more opportunities for you to set your mind on the spirit. While wait for the next edition of A Transforming Word, on our website, you'll find a daily Bible reading plan, links to our YouTube channel and our mobile app. You'll have hundreds of messages available to you at the touch of a finger. You'll also find ways to join in the work with us through giving and prayer. Our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. But there are other ways to find us too. We're on Instagram and Facebook. What better way to move your mind to the Spirit than to bring Him into your social media? As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. Oh yeah, and don't forget to come back here next time for a transforming word to transform your life.